Hey guys, welcome to season one of the Prayer House podcast. Our mission is to encourage and nourish everyone through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So welcome to the family, and we hope that you'll be blessed by this message. Um, thank you, um, Reshma. Thank you, uh, Prayer House, uh, for having me uh, today. Um, I'm coming to all of you from the city of Chicago. Um, so I used to be a pastor in New York. Um, and I think some of the, uh, somebody from my old church is on here tonight. Um, so I'm grateful for everyone that has joined tonight. And um, yeah, so I used to pastor uh, a church in New York and Calvary Faith Tabernacle from 2015 to the end of uh, 2018. That's when I transitioned here to Chicago because of the calling God has given me to come here. And I've been asked just to share about um, my testimony with all of you. And I, and I consider it a high honor uh, to share about Jesus because uh, our, our testimonies are the revelation of, of his power, his grace in our lives. So um, with, uh, with that said, I'm just going to just say one more word of prayer. And I just ask um, all of you just to join with me in just, in just prayer that the, that the Lord would speak, that you would just see Jesus tonight, not me. And you would hear Jesus tonight and not me. Um, Father, we, we just thank you once again. Um, I thank you for this ministry. Uh, I thank you for uh, Reshma and the team and all the leadership and just the, uh, the burden you've given them for prayer house, God. And I pray, Lord, um, that tonight they would see you, they would hear you, that you would be high and lifted up, oh God. And I pray for just the ministry of the Holy Spirit to come and Lord, as we humble ourselves, we ask even in this pandemic, even in this uh, crisis, that you would speak loud and clear, God, to all those that need to hear the word of the Lord tonight, God. I just thank you, and I plead the blood of Jesus. We come against every hindrance and every distraction of the enemy, and we just pray for protection over this, uh, this conference, and we just thank you, Lord, for your goodness, uh, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So... Just, I'll just start off with, with my testimony of where, where it all started for me um, and why I'm in Chicago now uh, doing God's work. So um, I, I was not born in the U.S. I, I came from, um, well, I was born in Kerala, um, and I came to the U.S. when I was uh, six and a half years old. And um, I did not come from uh, a line of pastors. Um, my dad was a politician, and... Uh, he won many elections and he was a popular politician. And uh, growing up in my house, I grew up in a, in a Marthamite home and uh, we would have Orthodox people come. We would have Pentecostal people come, uh, Hindu people, Muslim people. My dad was friends with everybody. So, um, and he would really just um, help the poor a lot. And uh, that's why I think he won a lot of elections. But uh, growing up, um, even in childhood, I had numerous times where um, before I came to the U.S., I think there was about six times I, I came face to face with death. I remember when I was a toddler, about two years old, um, two, three years old, um, my mom said I ate rat poison. I swallowed the whole pill. It was lying on the ground and I, and I survived. I had a motorcycle with those huge uh, bullet ones fall on me uh, when I was a little kid. I survived that. Um, I drowned in a pool. I came face to face with, um, with a cobra. Um, and I, when I was a toddler in my mom's house, I walked in front um, of those huge lorry trucks. When I was a little kid, walked out outside my uncle's house, went into the street, and some guy came and, and took me out of the just uh, out of the pathway of this huge truck coming and and about to hit me. So I, um, looking back in my life, I, I escaped death 
numerous times, not knowing why, or, or I was too young to understand um, that there was a, a, a sovereign hand on my life, uh, not realizing what it was for. I remember when I was young, um, I think about five years old, I still remember vividly. I remember, in, well, in India, it's not like New York. I was, I was raised on a farm, so you could see the stars clearly at night. So um, I remember I would look up at the stars and I would know that there was a God or there's just power and I felt it and I didn't know what it was. And I couldn't tell what this power was. And um, so um, my life transitioned after, um, I remember I would go to just pre-K and first grade and all the people would know like, oh, you're, you're so-and-so's son. I, I mean, I was treated like royalty. Uh, but I was also, I also knew I was, I, I was a brat. I, I, I knew pride at a young age. Uh, I, I knew what pride was. Um, and because, you know, you're the son of so-and-so. So I think what God did was uh, he, he humbled me a lot. Um, first of all, by taking me out of my comfort zone, out of my homeland. Um, so in 1994, I, I migrated with my mom and my brother um, to Queens, New York, um, from, from Kerala. And my dad came a year before. And I remember I get, getting out of the plane, seeing all these people. It was, it was such a culture shock for me um, because everything I, I, I was familiar with and I knew was in, was in India. And I had, I had people take care of me and all these things. Everything was given. And all of that in one, in, in a couple of days was taken away. And I was in a whole new land. And I, I would see, you know, American, white people, Chinese people, black, people I've never seen in my life before, uh, culture shock. I didn't even know English. And I remember I got tran uh, transitioned into the school system. Um, I, I remember vividly, I, I, I got the student of the month award and I got it because I didn't know English. I, I was, I didn't know any, I didn't say anything that I was awarded student of the month. And my prize was pretzel rods. I, I, for me, from Carol, I don't know what a pretzel rod was. When I, so I remember when I came home, I made my mom eat it because I thought it was poison. Um, so this is how culturally everything, I was just so afraid of everything. And um, I didn't know what cereal was. I mean, you guys know cereal, but, you know, in Carol, you don't eat cereal. You don't eat uh, any, pizza. We didn't know, you know, so all these things it was just new for me. I just had to get accustomed to it. So, and I remember I was in the, I was in the public schools uh, I was in the public school system, which is very different than um, in Queens than different than from suburbia in Long Island where I moved to. And I remember I would get I would get beat up uh, because I, I wouldn't know English and uh, I would just get bullied more not as much uh, being beat up but just being bullied and it was just very hard for me to adjust and. Um, I remember I got trying. I went to my other uncle's home who lived in a more of a suburban context. Um, a little bit nicer um, middle-class area. So I, I had to wait to get enrolled into the school system. So I remember every day I would wake up and I, I don't know if you guys watched, oh, it's probably my generation. I remember waking up to Sesame Street and the big red couch and Arthur. And I think I was about eight years old, seven, eight years old. And I would just think to myself, man, uh, what, what, what is the point of me just getting up every day and watching Sesame Street every day, just going back to sleep. And I just, I just, I just doing the same routine every day. And I remember I asked my dad, I asked my dad at a young age, <clears throat> I said, um, Oh, what happens after you die? And he said, um, Oh, nothing, just pitch black darkness. And he was so, he was so content with that answer. It's, it's, it scared me because he was so confident. And I was just thinking, wow, the, the whole, 
there's nothing after life. It's just, just darkness, just pitch black darkness. So I just think, so I started thinking, why should I even go to school? Why should I get a job when I grow up? Why should I have a career? Um, if, it was, if, if the life we live now is only the life we were living for. And I just, just that, that word from my dad, I mean, obviously he didn't know what it would do to me. Um, it planted a seed in me at a young age of hopelessness, that, that there's no hope after this life. Um, so I remember when my, my parents go to work, um, I was so scared because the, my last security with my parents and I, you know, I, I was, my aunt and uncle were not bad people, but I just, I didn't know who to connect with and just with my brother. And I was just, I was, I remember feeling scared all the time. I was just so anxious and so scared. And, uh, on top of that, just this dread, um, of just not knowing what's after life. And uh, I don't think that house was the best also because I know there was something really um, maybe off about, I don't know, the house my uncle moved into. So there's a lot of things that I now realize spiritual warfare. But I remember after that, um, from about nine or 10 years old, I developed uh, severe chronic depression. I did not know it was depression. The reason I now realize this is my aunt would come and ask my mom, you know, what's wrong with your son? He just sits at his room and cries all day. And um, I remember I would weep. I would weep in my room, I would start crying, and I, I wouldn't know why I, I was crying. Um, I just sensed this incredible sense of, like, this dark tunnel where you can't see the light out. And I just, it just sensed the feeling of hopelessness and not realizing I developed at 10 years old um, chronic depression. Um, onto that spiraled into obsessive-compulsive disorder. That spiraled into panic attacks. So I had three demons that tormented my life for 10 years. And um, I remember, I think a couple of years later, I had this notion, okay, well, if there is a God, because I would go to the Martha Church and go, all we knew is uh, just rituals, liturgy, doctrine. And I, and I remember going to church and coming back, and I, I thought to myself, if there is a God, he must be so holy that he cannot accept me because I am so impure, I'm so unclean. And I remember my, my prayer, as it, my, my prayer life, whatever it was, as a 10-year-old or 11 years old, I remember the last uh, about two to three hours. And you would wonder, what in the world am I praying for? Two, three? And I, it would go on this long because the only prayer I would know was uh, our Father in Heaven. And, I would, and if I thought anything bad, I would start that prayer all over again. And it was meticulous, this robot, robotic thing, because I, I just thought, you know, if God is so holy, he cannot receive anything impure. So I have to present the most perfect prayer to him. And that would drive me crazy because I would just think that there's no way um, I could be this perfect. Now, I remember I would do all these, uh, what I realized, uh, what you classified as, as religious OCD was everything was, was, was controlled and dominated by fear, the fear of losing my, I would do all these rituals because I didn't want my parents to die or if I were here, the ambulance. I remember when I was in middle school and at recess time and playing in the blacktop, I would hear the ambulance and I would just think, oh, that's probably something happened to my mom or dad. And I would be dominated by, by fear and anxiety. And um, um, so, since I didn't know Jesus, um, I just did what anybody, any other teenager would do. I, I found video games and uh, I immersed myself in them. Um, it was like a drug for me. Um, I, it numbed, it, it did such a good job. It numbed my fear, it numbed my anxiety. And I, I didn't not only um, 
used it as a form of escape, it became my life. It became a wellspring that I, uh, that I just would look forward to because I would escape from all my anxiety. I would escape from all my fear and I would just immerse myself in this other world. And I, be, I started getting so good at it and I, I became addicted to it that um, I, I, it, even when I got into high school, um, it ruined my social life. I remember my friends would ask me to go bowling with them. I said, oh, I can't. I have something to do tonight. I'd just be immersed in gaming world. And, um, and I got really good. And my parents got uh, very concerned, even though they weren't believers. Um, they started fasting and praying um, that I would, this addiction would break off. I remember I, they didn't even know why I got into it. I just, started, I just needed something um, to self-medicate myself. I needed something to take away the anxiety. I needed something to take away the panic attacks. And I wasn't on medication, and I, and I didn't know what was really going on, but this medicated me so well that I got immersed in it that my parents started fasting and praying. And I remember uh, the way it broke off was in, in the gaming world, the, the little group that I was in, there was another youth pastor who I would game with, and his name was Prof or Prophet. And um, God used a youth pastor who would would lead kids on i guess friday night saturday but his other life was gaming with me and the, all these other guys and um we both made uh, a pact um to fully um disengage ourselves from this and and to do what god wanted god used a youth pastor in gaming world to set me free and him free and uh th that thing broke off my life and um so after this, at 19 years old, is um, when my whole life changed. Um, I remember December 1st, 2006, I, I had this, uh, just this difficulty swallowing. My, my throat swelled up. I went into my parents' room, and I, I remember exactly at 12 a.m., December 1st, 2006, I went in my parents' room, and they would have to hold me down because I told my parents, you know, I, I don't know, it was growing up. My throat just feels just like this difficulty. And my dad was holding my, my, uh, my left arm, my mom was holding my right, and I was convulsing till 5 a.m. And um, I was just thinking, okay, I'm having like a low glucose level attack because my dad got diabetes at a young age. And I remember I, every couple of hours, my body would just start trembling and shaking. And my parents, I, I knew they didn't know what was going on. They would just hope that I remember, I, I still remember their, uh, their grip on my hand, my, my arms. And, um, and I, I didn't know every why, every couple of hours, I started trembling and shaking again. And I got up the next day and I collapsed uh, on my couch. And, and this was during undergrad. Um, I couldn't even have the strength to go and take finals. And I remember it's, just, it's like the life got sucked out of me. And um, I lost my ability to eat. I lost my ability to go to the bathroom. All I could do was take in water. And I thought, okay, you know, I might as well just um, sleep this off and get better. Um, so the next day came and uh, I just got worse. And a couple of days later, it just kept getting worse. And um, all I knew is the Lord's Prayer at that time. I didn't know what was going on. It's almost, like, um, it's almost like the life was being sucked out of me. And my dad said eventually, okay, you know, um, let's go to, the, let's go to your, your doctor. You know, this is after a couple of days because you know, I think they were in denial. They did not want to acknowledge what was going on. So went to the doctor and I, and it was a very bittersweet moment for me because I thought either I'm going to be medicated for the rest of my life or they're not going to find out what's wrong with me. And my, my last hope was in medicine um, because it, obviously we didn't know who God was. And uh, 
I went to the doctor and he, he took one look at me and he said, okay, let's, let's take your physicals. He did a whole process of taking the physical. It's, let's take your blood test. So he took my blood. Is I come back three days later. So I go back home. My mom says, don't worry. Even as I went to the doctor, she said, don't worry about it. Everything will be all right. And those three days were the worst days of my life because I'm waiting for uh, the results. And I didn't know whether I'm going to make it or just I'm going to be dead. And um, I remember those three days after those, those three days was horrible on top of whatever I was going through already. Um, I went back uh, to the doctor and uh, he has a whole stack of medical reports and he's, and I'm with my dad. I have just enough, just energy to uh, just, I couldn't even drive. I would faint. Um, so I had just enough energy to go um, with my dad. I sat with my dad in, in the, in his office. He has a whole stack of reports. I remember he's looking at it and he's looking at me and he's looking at those reports and I knew he was confused. And he said, you know, your blood tests are negative. He said, physically, you're perfectly healthy. He said, from, from a medical standpoint, we, I cannot diagnose you. I have no idea what's wrong. And, and when he said it, he was so confused. And um, because he, he look, he's looking at me and he knew there's something obviously wrong with this young man. But he couldn't, he couldn't, from a medical standpoint, he couldn't figure out what it was. And so I looked at my dad and we just both went back home. So this, this condition lasted for one month and 20 days, one month and 20 days. And uh, I, I didn't meet Jesus at, at a conference. I didn't meet Jesus at church. I used to, I used to actually hate going to church because I just thought it was just a whole bunch of religion, nonsense, just no life. And um, I remember after this thing, I, the only thing I could eat was like um, soup or kanye and then vitamin water, like nothing. I couldn't have solids. And I remember uh, January 20th, um, 2007 is when my whole life changed. I remember I was, I was lying down on my couch and, um, even before then, when I would go, at least I had some strength to go out and, uh, my friends, my friends who didn't know God just looked, looked at me and he said, Hey man, it looks like death hit you. And that's what they would say. It looked like death hit you. Even they, they, people who didn't know God could tell I, I looked like I was dying. Um, my cousin invited me to a church, uh, to a church service. And I remember when I went in there, I, I had trouble breathing and an, an, another anxiety attack. So I, I had no, I have no grid to understand what was going on with me. And um, so I, I had aunts in my family who were nurses and said, oh, uh, Mona, it's all in your head. You're just making this up. And just, it's all just shutting you down because of anxiety fear. And I thought, you know, I, well, maybe that's, maybe that's right. I mean, I've had panic attacks in my life, but nothing like this. I've had anxiety, I had depression, all this, but nothing like what I'm going through now. And um, so at January 20th, my whole life takes a huge turn. I'm lying down on my couch, my parents go to work, my brother goes to school, and I'm lying on my couch. And all of a sudden, my heart starts palpitating, it just starts racing. And I'm not and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I'm not doing anything. Why is my heart racing? And it starts racing even faster and faster and faster. It's almost, you know, when you run, your heart races, but it's like time seven. It was, it was racing so rapidly. And I, and I knew what a panic attack was. And this was nothing like a panic attack. This felt like my heart was racing so fast that if it had the ability to, I felt like it was going to rupture because it was racing so fast. And um, all my life, uh, I was afraid of death. The one thing I was afraid of was death. Um, and all my life, I tried to control my situations that I would, it, it sounds ridiculous, but that I wouldn't die because I never wanted to die because I didn't know what was after death. I didn't know if, if, if Hinduism was the right way, the 300 million gods of India. I didn't know if Islam was the right way. I didn't know if Buddhism was the right way. I didn't know if Jesus was God. 
because uh, I remember I come from a household where I saw every religion come to my house and my dad who loved them all. So I, I didn't, I didn't have a grid and, and growing up in the Martha home, my, 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 my dad only taught me the Lord's prayer and God bless. And that's the only thing I knew. And I remember I would even read the Psalms before, even into that one month, 20, one month and 20 days. And I remember the light came out when I read the Psalms, it was just weird. And I just felt like God would just give me little hints, but he wouldn't fully heal me. He, he would just remind me that he's with me, but I realize now that he set me up. Um, he set me up for this one event because what I feared the most, what I feared the most, he made me face it. And not realizing uh, why he, then why he did that. What I feared the most was death. And what I feared the most, he made me face to face, um, come face to face with it. I remember when my, so again, as I'm lying on my couch, my heart's palpitating. I don't know how to describe this to you, but I was losing consciousness. And I knew I was slipping into the other side. And I did not want to go to the other side because I did not know who was, who was Lord or who was God or if there was a God. I didn't know. And because I didn't know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to go yet. And uh, I was so scared. And I remember um, I had, I, I, I'm a person with willpower. I could, I could just white knuckle myself through a lot of stuff. Um, and I did that through anxiety, panic attacks. I, I just gritted my treat and, and just braced myself through every panic attack and all these things. But this was so overwhelming. I had no power to face it. It was so over depth was so overwhelming i couldn't face it and i remember i remember in my heart in my spirit i remember oh man you can't you can't overcome this this is so overwhelming and i remember i i remember in my heart i i surrendered i let go and i couldn't it was so overwhelming i couldn't face it and i out of my mouth out of my mouth these words came out jesus i don't care you have my life i, I don't know why i said his name but when i said his name from the, from the top of my head, I felt this incredible peace. Uh, and at whatever it was, it was so heavenly. It, it flowed from the top of my head. It went all through. It, I remember it was, it was just traveling through uh, my body. <clears throat> uh, I remember it, it just, it, it, it started from the top of my head. It flowed. It flowed from uh, the top of my head. I could feel it flow through uh, my chest. I could feel it go down my my whole body. I could feel it flow through to, to the through my arms to the tip of my fingers. I could feel it flow all the way down my legs to the tip uh, of my toes. And it was like someone put like ten comforters on me, um, and it was so heavy. I knocked out. I not, I completely knocked out. I was already lying down on my couch, but I knocked out and I went to sleep. Uh, a sleep I've never had before, a peace, as the Bible now says, a peace that surpasses all understanding. And um, I thought I was sleeping. I thought I slept for three, four hours. I slept for two minutes, but it felt like hours. And um, when I woke up out of that, whatever this sickness was, I was completely healed. And I, I'm, I'm on my knees and I'm, I'm, I, I just started thanking God. And I feel this incredible power come and hit my body. Remember, I... There's no pastor in my home, no pre nobody. I just, I, I don't know why I said his, his name, but I said his name. Um, and the reason I said I don't care was I, I didn't care if I lived because living was a nightmare. And it was, it was like, uh, like a, a hellish nightmare and dying I thought was better. So I, di I didn't care. I, I, I didn't have the strength to, to, to go through this. And 
when I, when I realized what I did now was um, I surrendered completely my life to Jesus. Um, I didn't know the sinner's prayer. I didn't know the Roman road. I didn't know about repentance. All I knew was I gave Jesus my heart through that, uh, through those couple of words. I gave Jesus my heart. I remember this power came and hit my body. It was a power so strong. I got up immediately. I didn't know what the Holy Spirit was. I didn't know who the Holy Spirit was. Um, and this, so in this whole time, I was fasting for one month and 20 days. Well, inadvertently, against my will, I was fasting because I couldn't really eat. So any spiritual experience was so heightened that when I, when I said his name and I felt the power, it was so overwhelming that when I'm on my knees thanking God, I feel a greater power hit my body that it scared me. That it, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, uh, I didn't feel uh, fear, but it was so powerful that I got up and I, I was so scared to thank him because I couldn't handle the power anymore. And he, he poured out so much power uh, on my body that I remember when I would um, even go to school, um, the college, I would see a whole bunch of kids um, outside my class waiting for the class door to open. And when I would walk up to them, they all backed off. And I, I thought like, I'm a, I'm a, do I just smell weird or something? And I, I, I didn't understand, but he poured out so much power. Uh, that my understanding is that other people sense something that I didn't have a language for. And he poured out so much power because I feel like the enemy, what he meant to kill me, and he tried to kill me so many times. And I, I'm testifying of, of his resurrection power because as many times as the enemy wanted to kill me, God, I didn't realize had a plan for my life uh, when I was five years old. Uh, all the times where I could have died. And that time at 19, I knew it was an appointment where the enemy wanted to destroy, but God, and his wisdom used that to make me face what I fear the most, um, death. And I think it's very poignant uh, or just very important to share about this because in, in the midst of coronavirus and everyone fearing death, listen, I know who's on the other side. I know who's on the other side. And I know that death even bows its knee to Jesus. And no plague, no illness, no nothing is greater than the finished work and the blood of Jesus and his name. So as someone who personally struggled with all this, um, I can tell you that there is, a, there is a power higher and greater than anything we'll ever experience, and his name is Jesus. And I remember um, you would think something like that um, would be enough to save me, and it did. But then I met the wrong crowd in, in college. I remember when I was in high school, I would, I would call, I would, I would say, I, I use this term, I know, all of us millennials and Gen Zers, we don't use it, but I, we used to call ourselves straight edge, meaning oh, I'll never smoke, I'll never do this, do all these things. I, I, I told myself and people, no, I'm not going to do any of that when I get to college. I don't need to. Uh, but I met this wrong group of friends, and um, even my, my dad was, was very um, lenient. He, he, I really didn't have a curfew as much. Uh, he, I think he understood that if he, if he restricted me, I would rebel more. So he did the exact opposite. He gave me so much freedom that I didn't want to rebel. And you know what? His parenting worked. It's the most, um, I, I think my dad had some kind of wisdom to understand that. But I mean, I still rebelled anyway, but not to the extent that I, I guess. So I, anyway, I met these uh, wrong group of friends in, 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 in college and they all love weed, all love drinking marijuana. I used to roll joints for people, uh, but I had never... I remember I would, I, would, I, would, I would roll these things up for people, and, but I would never have the urge to smoke one of them. I was in the midst of all that, but I did get into the partying scene. 
uh, the club life, uh, even in Manhattan, uh, bars in Long Island, uh, my friends love just, just drinking, partying, smoking. I, I had a lot of fun with them and, and I got immersed in that group. And, um, what, what brought me back was a friend invited me, uh, to a church and um, he was a friend that God used me in my backsliding days to lead him to Christ without realizing it was a Hindu who came uh, to know Jesus. Uh, had a, um, he was on the verge of suicide. I shared with him what happened to me a couple of months ago. He prayed uh, in his room and said, what Deepak said is true, show me God. And a white Bible comes in the mail with his name on it to a Hindu kid. Um, because in that time of when he prayed, um, and I guess an evangelist met his Hindu extremist dad in the New York City subway and signed up his son for a Bible when he prayed the day before, God, if what this man said is true, show me. And three days later, a Bible comes, a white Bible comes in the mail with his name on it. And then he becomes a born again, zealous Christian. And I'm backslidden. And God used him to ask me, hey, you want, you want to come to a church with me? It was a Bible study. I said, no, I'm okay. And I, I'm going to my friend's house just to you know, mess around. And I remember I see my friend running across the street. I'm like, hey, where are you going? He's like, oh, I'm going to the Bible study they'd invited you to. And I remember for whatever reason, I decided to turn my car, pick him up and go to that. It was at a house church. I go to that Bible study and I went to the Bible study. I, I go into this, uh, this, this, this house church with an Irish pastor, pastoring all my alleys. And I thought, oh, this is also very strange. I remember when I came in, it was at least about 50, 60 people. There's a huge number of people. I went in there and he stopped the whole Bible study and he looks at me. He says, young man, God is with you. And he said, you're going to go to many churches and you're going to speak and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and I was thinking, oh, this is so strange. I remember I come from a Martha, my background or just a very nominal Christian background. I just thought this is strange. This is how I just thought, you know, my parents had a weird understanding of Pentecostals. And, this is how, and I thought this is how they are. This is so strange. But I didn't realize my heart was burning when he said that. I didn't know why my heart was burning. And it was racing again. And I remember he, he came and laid his, he started praying and laid his hand on me. And I was sitting down and just continued the Bible study. And I remember I went back home. And I, 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 before they asked him, why did you share that? And he said, I don't know. It's like, it just, God compelled me. He said, you must have had a praying grandmother or something. And I remember I went back home. I said, God, is this true? And I opened up to First Timothy 4 in the portion where do not neglect the gift that was given to you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hand on you. And I, I read that. I'm like, oh, this is scary. How did I open up to the very passage that I asked God, was this true? And it confirmed what that pastor said. And I, um, all my life, again, I, God broke another wall. I thought God was with only those who are holy. And the first thing he said is, God is with you. And I'm thinking to myself, if this pastor knew where I'm headed, he would never say God is with me. Because I thought God is with the priests or the pastors or the ones that are walking right or holy. I never understood grace. And I remember um, that started. Another two-week episode of when I went back home, I couldn't stop worshiping. So I, I, I YouTubed worship, and the first thing that came up was Hillsong. I'm like, who's Hillsong? And I put on Hillsong. I started worshiping, and I, I, I couldn't stop crying for two weeks. I was weeping in my room for two weeks. And I remember I would, I would pray till like 3 in the morning, and my dad would open the door, and he would say, what? And I remember he would ask me, what sin did you do that you, you can't stop praying? I said, I, I, I didn't do anything wrong. I just... I fell in love with Jesus. And I remember I would feel, um, I feel, I felt his incredible love. 
Um, and that love went to the depth. I remember it's almost like I felt like my spirit was being cleaned. I felt like there was a hand that went to the depth of my OCD, my anxiety and my depression. And it's almost like he took it, he, he reached into my soul and he took the garbage and he took it out. And I was filled. I remember I would see, I would see homeless people and I would start crying for them. I was like, what is, and I would tell them, I said, what is wrong with me? Why, why, why am I so sensitive? Why am I, why am I? Uh, having compassion for strangers. And I didn't realize I, I received so much of the love of Christ and, and um, I was saved by his love into his kingdom. So from then, I know uh, my time is coming. Um, from then on, uh, I got into youth pastoring. I love that. Um, I went, to, uh, went as a, a missionary to China. That changed my whole world. Um, of just being given to missions and to sharing the gospel, which is a reason why I'm in Chicago. Uh, right when I finished seminary, I got invited to uh, pr uh, pastor uh, full-time. I wasn't looking for it. Uh, for three and a half years, did a lot of great things at Calvary Faith Tabernacle, and um, God called me now. Uh, so what I do now is I preach in the streets of Chicago. I've seen great power. I've seen, because I, I consider myself like Mary Magdalene. I was a prostitute that Jesus saved. And I, I didn't come out of a clean-cut family, meaning I didn't come out of this polished, you got it, everything together. I came out of people who love to smoke marijuana, uh, people who love to party. And Jesus didn't, he didn't save me with showing me the fear of hell. He saved me by showing me that he always loved me. He always loved me and he always had a plan for my life. And that captivated me to 10, uh, so I got saved in 2007, called in 2008, and I, and I said yes to a person. I didn't say yes to a denomination. I said yes to a person. I didn't say yes to a doctrine. I didn't say yes to a calling. I didn't say yes to a movement. I said yes to somebody I fell in love with. That's why I'm able to be here because I just keep saying, um, even though as many times as I fall and I've, I've struggled with fear, it's amazing how someone who struggled with panic attacks is now preaching in the public. <laughs> which only by the Spirit of God can happen. So um, I wanted just to bless all of you today in the midst of this coronavirus pandemic. I will tell you personally, someone who faced panic attacks and the fear of death, and when doctors even gave up hope, um, there is one name that is higher than any other name. And when you call out to that name, um, he, Jesus, he loves you, uh, he will save you, and he will fill you with his precious Holy Spirit. So I pray all of you, um, Rashman, the team, all of you, uh, amazing of what you're doing with this generation because uh, God's going to mark out this generation to do great things. And I'm, I'm so blessed and honored uh, to share what Jesus uh, did in my life with all of you. And uh, may just God bless you and his Holy Spirit fill you to do great and mighty things. Uh, amen. Um, Pastor Deepak, so much. Thank you so much. Um, I know that a lot of um, bondages were just broken just by hearing that. A lot of people were, I think a lot of people can identify with everything you were saying. Um, so I'm just going to ask you to pray, actually, for everyone on this call, right? Yeah. Um, you know what it feels like. So I think I think more than anyone, you would be, should be the one to pray. So um, if everyone could just bow their heads and pray with us. <clears throat> Father, I just want to thank you, Lord. Um, that you just answered prayer today, God. And uh, my prayer was that they would see you and I know you came and you showed up. Um, and I know there are people who have, um, I know, I know, I know from my spirit, uh, there are people who has encountered your power today and your love. And I pray that whatever Satan has bound them with, 
whatever drugs or addictions or death or suicide or cutting, whatever it is, let them know, God, that there is hope and there's someone who's conquered death. And I pray, Jesus, you are the resurrection and the life. So I pray against the spirit of death in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I pray and I prophesy the breath of Almighty God to breathe over every uh, bruised body, every broken soul in the name of Jesus. Lord, you said the time will come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and the dead shall live and they shall live. And Lord, I pray that they hear you that, and I pray that they would know that many Lord, that many in the name of Jesus will be called, will be called, will be called in such a time as this. Father, I give you glory and honor and praise, Father, that you would ransom, Lord, and you would redeem those, oh God, who have callings, Lord. I just thank you for Esther's, um, David's and Moses, deliverers of this generation in this prayer call. In the name of Jesus, and I plead the blood of the Lamb over them, and I pray against uh, suicide, and I pray against, Lord, strongholds of addictions, pornography, addi whatever it is, oh God, um, uh, drinking alcohol, whatever it is that we use to numb ourselves, Lord, you know that they're really looking for you, and they're just trying to numb their heart, Lord, from their fear, and I just pray that bondages to be broken, and perversion to leave, and that love true love would come and fill the orphan's heart. And I pray for orphans to know that they are sons and daughters tonight, that they would know that they have a heavenly father who will never leave them or forsake them. I thank you that you are the good shepherd. You're the chief shepherd who will walk with them. And I thank you that you are walking with them through the valley of the shadow of death. Even now, God, whatever they're walking through, let them know that there's a shepherd who will not leave them, uh, who will guide them through every journey. And I just pray your shalom, God. And I just pray resurrection life. And I pray for turnarounds, even tonight, that demonic strongholds will be broken and that turnarounds will come and that they would start living in your life and your power. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please drop us a rating and a review if you have the time. We'd really appreciate it. Till then, keep searching and keep listening for his voice.